Welcome to the Sovereign Grace Church Sermons Podcast. Enjoy the sermon by Pastor Jason. Sovereign Grace Church is a Bible-based, gospel-centered church. Please enjoy. Alright, so <clears throat> this text that we're fixing to uh, dig into is such a great text. Um, this is quite possibly... Uh, one of my favorite chapters of scripture that I've preached so far, and I've preached in Romans. So to say that chapter six of John is one of my favorite chapters I've preached so far is a pretty big deal. Um, there's so much that is so important. Um, John takes us into some of the most important facets of doctrine and theology in this chapter that we need to understand, uh, especially the theology of God and the theology of Christ, to understand Christ and who he is and what he is. Uh, what he's representing here. Uh, I think that's possibly some of the most, it's really some of the deepest stuff we've encountered yet in John for sure, and possibly in Romans as well. Um, so buckle up, because we're fixing to take a, take a journey, and I think we're going to enjoy it. Um, now hear the infallible, inspired word of God, John six sixteen through 34. When evening came, his disciples came down to the sea got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Hmm. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that it is infallible, inspired, and inerrant. It needs no help. 
You have written it. It is what you have said. God, we thank you that it stands alone and that we can trust what it says. Holy Spirit, illuminate our paths that we may learn today, that we may grasp things that will help us in our lives, help us in our witness, and that we may use these things in our hearts to, to be more faithful, more understanding of who you are. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Christ's name, amen. So as we take this text section by section, take note of all the importance that is contained in this. All of, all that is said by Christ is of ultimate importance in this text. I mean, it is, it is one theological, sound, important point after the other. And he doesn't answer anything in this text without one single purpose. Notice that. His purpose is to give the truth to these people who ask of him these things. And he will not be swayed from it. He won't be distracted by other thoughts and other ideas and other needs that these people say they have. He comes to them and he says specifically what must be done and what is important. And the important things are what we're going to see here. So, let's look at one of the most amazing miracles of Christ. This is one that's recognizable. Why? Because it's made its way into our vernacular as a euphemism. Like, I can't walk on water, right? That's, that's when you tell somebody you can't get something done. That seems really hard. Look, I can't walk on water, right? So that's a euphemism. Well, Jesus can walk on water, so let's read about it. Verse 16 through 21, it says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. Now it was, it was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And they rode about three or four miles. Jesus saw, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So, this is Christ. This is God the Son, incarnate, on earth, in flesh. And he walks on water. Now, let me state the obvious here, okay? This is going to help us set the stage and grasp all that's happening right here. Water was not created to be walked on. That's not what it does. This water wasn't frozen. In fact, this water was tumultuous because on the Sea of Galilee, it's like an open wind tunnel, and they were constantly getting storms on the Sea of Galilee. This act is taking something created and taking authority over it and using it for something else. So this act is something that really could only be done by God in flesh. The reason that this is true is because he had authority over creation. Why? Because he's creator. How do we know that Jesus is creator? Because I think sometimes when we think of creator, we think of only God the Father, right? Well, John made sure in the first chapter to tell us in, in verse 3 that all things were made through him and without him 
was not anything made that was made. So Jesus, guess what? He is an active participant as creator. So he can take authority over a created thing. Why? Because he is creator. Now let's look very closely at the ultimately important statement Jesus makes to his disciples when he reaches them at the boat. Verse 20. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Now, this this sounds like a statement we would make, like say if uh, you were coming home late at night and your wife was there alone and you knocked, you didn't have your key and you were knocking. She's going to say, who is it? And you say, it's just me. She'll say, me who? And, you know, <laughs> pull, the, pull the shade back and you'll see the shotgun in her hand, right? But, uh, no, this is not just a statement of, oh, it's just me, Jesus. Okay? We need to understand that, okay? It's important. We need to first discuss a very important theological point in John. See, in John, we are introduced to these things called the I am statements of Jesus Christ. The I am statements. Now, these are very important and very significant statements. Most commentators agree that the first I am statement is made in next week's text. Um, in reading Sproul and researching it just a little more, though, it's clear to me that Jesus is actually making the first I am statement right here. He says, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, let's have a little lesson here. We're not going to go deeply into Greek, okay? We're not going to have a full course on Greek here. But it's important that we understand what, what we're talking about here. When Jesus says, um, I am in a lot of places, or he says, it is I, um, he's using the words, ego, emi. Now, it's interesting that he would say, ego, emi. Okay? Because the word ego, guess what it means? I am. The word emi means also I am. So if we were going to get literal about it, we would say Jesus is just basically saying I am. I am. That's, that, that, that's something that we should take note of because there's something very important that happened in Exodus 3. An introduction by somebody that seems a little familiar, if we'll pay attention. In Exodus 3, 13 through 14, it says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Who sh what, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am a me to you. So, Jesus here, as he's fixing to get in the boat and he's trying to tell his disciples something very important, he basically says, I am who I am. Do not be afraid. He is saying, it's me. I'm God. I'm God. He has just done what only God could do by walking on water. 
And now he has identified himself specifically as the God of the Bible, the God that they worship, the Hebrew God of the Israelites. He is God. And verse 21 is interesting because it seems to identify another miracle. It may be skipped at times, but let's, let's look at this. Verse 21 says, Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So, they, Jesus got in the boat, and they were immediately on the other side. What a picture of life in Christ, right? Though it may be rough on the sea, we definitely have a destination that is safe in Christ. If He is in us and we are in Him, we will arrive at our destination safely. Though the, though the things around us may be rough. Let's go on to verse 22 through 27. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, but that His disciples were gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, because you were filled because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him God the Father has set His seal. So, these people seem to be a little confused, right? Jesus had just worked a miracle, and they're like, well, there's only one boat, the disciples aren't here, Jesus isn't here, but we didn't see Jesus go with the disciples in the boat. So, what's up with that? What's going on? They know Jesus didn't go with the disciples. They know the boat was docked right there. And the boat's gone, and Jesus isn't there. Now, so they decide, well, let's follow him. They get over there. There's one boat. The disciples there. And guess who else is there? Jesus. So they first kind of seek to try and find out exactly how Jesus had arrived there. So how'd you get here, Jesus? He doesn't give them the answer. Did you notice that? He doesn't give them the answer of that 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 I wish he had given. That um, I think Sproul uh, said how he would answer it, and I, that's how I would answer it too if I was Jesus. When they came to me and said, "How'd you get here?" I would have said. I walked. But he didn't give that kind of answer. He gave the answer in verse 26. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus gets right to the point here, doesn't he? He recognizes the people who are asking him the question. He knows these people. Why? Because he had just broken bread and fish and given it to all of them. And he also knows their hearts, that they are there for the food. 
That's what they really want. They want full bellies. They want more stuff. I guess this is a case that's, that's true. I guess, you know, the Bible, when it talks about how uh, men's God is their bellies, here's your perfect example of that. Jesus tells them, so to speak, that they only sought him out because they had gotten their bellies full. And he tells them not to work for this. He tells them to work for the food that leads to eternal life. Verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Many in the world only live for one thing, to put food on the table. They have no other desire in life than to just put food on the table, to provide for their family. Not that there's anything wrong with providing for your family. But that's as deep as they go. They live for nothing else. And and you guys can testify to this, okay? You have seen men who work jobs with hours that men should not be working. And you see the deadness in their eyes. And they think they're just taking care of their families. When really, they're probably with, their family would probably desire to just see them. And have them. We can't live that way. We who are in Christ can't live that way. We must live with eternity in mind. So how do we do this work? How do we work in our lives in Christ with eternity in mind? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to repent and trust in Christ and put our hope firstly in His work and what He has done. We place our hope in that. What's next, though? Because there are next things. Uh, We're not saved by our works. Do we all understand that? Your work, your ability to do good and do the right thing will not save you. Only Christ can save you. But according to James, faith without works is dead. So what does this mean? It means that we must work to seek the things that are eternal in our lives and in the lives of our families. Matthew 16, 24-25 says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's amazing. That statement goes against every single thing we are taught in our society right now. And in fact, Many in the visible church are taught this from the pulpit. Don't deny yourself. We got to fulfill ourselves. We got to have things to fulfill us, right? That's why our generation, the generation before us, decided what would be fulfilling for them is to focus on their career and not have families. They thought what would fulfill them was recreation. Not religion. They thought what would fulfill them would be more money and not what Jesus talks about next. You see, denying ourselves 
is not going to fit into society now. Not anymore. Ease. And what we want is what is taught. Christ's followers in the early church and in the Protestant Reformation were giving up everything, including their very lives, for the sake of Christ. Christ puts it this way. Matthew 6, 19-21, He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are the things that matter eternally. The treasures we lay up in heaven can't be destroyed by anything. The cross that we take up and follow is what's important to do. It, it echoes through eternity. So what are these things? I'm glad that uh, J.C. Ryle writes and wrote books <laughs> because he made us a very awesome list of things. He said, How are we to labor? There is but one answer. We must labor in the use of all appointed means. All appointed means is all spiritual disciplines. We must read our Bibles like men digging for hidden treasure. We must wrestle earnestly in prayer like men contending with a deadly enemy for life. We must take our whole heart, listen to this one, we must take our whole heart to the house of God and worship and hear like those who listen to the reading of a will. We must fight daily against sin, the world, and the devil like those who fight for liberty and must conquer or be slaves. These are the ways we must walk in if we would find Christ and be found in Him. People don't write like that anymore. People don't think like that anymore. To search the Scriptures as if you were looking for hidden treasure. Or reading the will. Or listen to the Word of God like yeah. you're reading a will. <laughs> Listen, those are, it's so much deeper than, 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 than what it's been turned into. There's so much more to it than what we've heard from, from rock stars and pulpits. These are the things that really make a difference in our lives and our families. I was so proud of Arthur Ray this morning. She loves, she loves her Uncle G, and she loves to tell him what's going on. What was the first thing she said to you this morning, G? Our family worship was a little different. We changed it, but man, it sure was fun. Because mm -hmm. we said a lot of prayers, right, baby? And you were able to repeat the prayers. And we had a wonderful devotion time, and a time where she could ask questions, and a catechism. She's learning the catechism, and she already knew those first four or five questions instantly thanks to Shailene really but she knew them this is what makes a difference these things searching the scriptures like you're searching for hidden treasure to contend in prayers if you're wrestling for your own life to go to church with your whole heart and worship and listen as if you're hearing the, 
someone reading a will and to fight against sin, the world, and the devil because your life depends on it. That's what matters. Now, how will the world and many in the visible church react to this kind of life? He makes sure that he makes sure that you know when the next sentence it says this. This is the next uh, the next paragraph after he tells us. Labor like this, no doubt, is very uncommon. In carrying it on, we shall have little encouragement from man, and shall often be told that we are extreme and go too far. Strange and absurd as it is, the natural man is always fancying that we may take too much thought about religion and refusing to see that we are far more likely to take too much thought about the world. We, who choose to live a life in that way, aren't necessarily going to be liked and accepted. We're going to be called extreme. We're going to be told we're taking it too far. Taking it too far. I will take it as far as it goes if it means I see my daughter in heaven and my son in heaven and all of you in heaven. I'll take it as far as it goes. What we need to stop taking too far is the world. Right. We need to stop playing around and dabbling in these things and taking those things too far and ignoring what really matters. And that's the Word of God. And that Christ Himself laid down His entire life on a cross to save us. And if, if He died to save us from sin, if sin killed Him, then like Spurgeon said, why would I play with the thing that killed my very best friend. I know this is a little harder than expected, but I feel it very deeply that this is the time that we need to decide some things in our hearts and our minds and in our families. What do we take too far? What do we need to put our foot down about? In our last section of text, we're going to see a very candid conversation between Jesus and these food lovers, these foodies who love the barley loaves and the sardines. And honestly, you want to know who it makes me think about? It makes me think about myself. Verse 28 through 34. Then when they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in whom, in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. We're going to take this a little bit more in depth because it's so important for us to understand. Verse 28, when it says, 
Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? So, he's speaking to unconverted people. Those who are in Christ can labor for things eternal. Those who are not in Christ have only one work they need to do. And it's so hard for man, including us, to understand the work of Christ. It's the work that saves. Many believe that salvation requires some kind of works from us. Uh, what Christ did is good, but we have to add some stuff to it, right? In order for it to work out. That's where we get the pluses and the solas. We're saved by grace plus works. That's, that's, that's not how it works. There's no plus in it. We've just read of the many things that are the duties and disciplines of a Christian. Make no mistake, those things do not save you. Without Christ, you can do those things all day, every day, and you are not saved. But there is one work that we need to do. Are you ready? Verse 29, Jesus said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Christ clearly says here what, what these people need to do. The only work that they can do is to believe in him. And that's it. Period. And the Holy Spirit has to draw them to be able to do that. So the work is, is, is just belief in the Christ that's in front of them. It's his work to do the saving. We need to just believe him. We need to repent and believe the gospel. That's the work that we can do that's the works of God. That's it. Nothing else. Verse 30 and 31 says, So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What works do you perform? Our father Jake, the man in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. The only thing I can think of when I read verse 30 is the nerve of these people. What sign can you do? What work can you perform? He literally just fed 5,000 people with five Twinkies and two sardines. And then they want to start talking about manna? These people's God is their belly. That's what they care about. I want to get my belly full. And as far as a sign, let's think about this. He just crossed the Sea of Galilee by walking on it. He just walked on the water and the whole reason they had started following him was what? He had worked a lot of healings in Galilee. He was working against creation and the way creation order actually works. He was doing things that were opposite of what creation normally works like. So guess what? He was, a he was working miracles. And they want to say, so, 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 so what, what sign do you do? 
What work can you perform? That's when you just want to smack somebody, right? I mean, you just see, you just see ignorance. But then I stop and I think, I am the same way. God, I say I trust you, but what have you done for me lately? I'm the same person. God, I know you're good, but I want you to do this to make this easier on me. I am the same way. I always want just a little more, just like they did. I always want just another sign, just like they did. And the Bible tells me exactly what kind of person I am and what kind of person they are. It's an adulterous generation that seeks after a sign. Those who seek after more, more stuff, more things, more healing, more this, more that, more money, they are adulterous. Verse 32 and 33. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now Jesus here is not speaking of a bread that will last much, that, that, that will only last 24 hours. He's speaking of a bread that will last for all eternity. So, let's talk about manna. Exodus 16, 14 through 21. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer, according to the number of persons that each of you has in this tent, and the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as they could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses, of course. Some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and it stank. And Moses said, Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. This is miraculous food from the sky that God gave these people. But notice what kind of food it was. It was food from heaven, but it sustained them day by day. They had enough for the day, but they couldn't keep it over for the next day. The next day they had to get up and go do it again. They were given their daily physical bread. But in these verses, we see Jesus speaking of a new kind of bread. Not like the manna they ate in the wilderness. The bread that Christ speaks of is a bread that gives life. And a very specific kind of life. 
It gives new life. It's not like the manna or a few barley loaves. It will sustain us forever. Where is this bread? What is it? Look at verse 33 again. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He who the Father has sent. Well, who is that? Jesus. All that is in Christ is enough to to sustain us for all eternity. Why do we partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday? Because we're remembering the one who is the bread of life who sustains us forever. And what he did to do that. Verse 34. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. This is the right answer. And if it had been given in the right context, it would have been awesome. But it wasn't. They are still stuck on the physical bread. Give us this bread always. Why? Because we like to eat and we want to be full. And we cannot look down on these people. We cannot say, well, why don't they just get it? Why? Because we don't get it. How many times in our lives do we approach Christ on just the physical things in life? Well, he has told us, you know, don't worry about what you eat or drink. But we approach him on the physical side, always. When most of the time in our lives, what do we truly need? More of Christ. We need to love him more, to see him more, to understand him more. So as we go through this, we can't look down upon these people because it's a picture of us. People who desperately need a Savior who is focused on the eternal salvation of our soul and not just giving us some yummy bread that'll last us for 24 hours. So, that brings us to how can we respond to this? These are some deep theological things we've discussed. How can we respond to these things? Well, I'm a believer that the Word of God has an application point in all of our lives. So, let's look at these five points that we can take from this and change our lives through it. You ready? Number one is we need to understand Christ for who He is. He's clear about it in verse 20, isn't He? I am who I am. He is Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God Almighty. He is the Lord God. He is God the Son. He was made flesh to come to the world and save us, yet He is fully God. To see this helps us to understand the depths and the length that God would go to to save us. Understand Christ and who He is. The next thing, is that we see God's sovereignty as the safest place to be in our lives. Just when Christ entered the boat, they came safely to the other side immediately. So no matter the circumstance, we can fully trust Christ to save us completely. 
No matter if his providence is smiling and everything seems peachy, or if his providence is frowning and everything seems to be falling apart, we can trust our sovereign Lord that if he is in our boat, if we are in Christ and he is in us, we will reach our eternal destination. And we have absolute assurance of that. The third thing is to seek Christ first and not what he can do for you. He is so much more than just superficial, tangible things. Find him in his word. Find him in prayer. Find him in the local church. Find him in worship of him. Find him as you seek to destroy sin in your life. Find him first. That's a pretty good verse that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's a pretty good verse. It makes a lot of sense. Christ is what we seek, not the things. Number four, and this is challenging. Exercise the disciplines in your life. Why? We talked about it a little bit on Wednesday that the reason why we do these things is because it is for our best. The reason why we seek God in His Word and try and read through the Bible in a year is because it is for our best. I don't live a good life if I'm not in His Word. I don't live a good life if I'm not in prayer. I am miserable without Him. So read His Word. This is a great time to start a reading plan. Uh, Casey sent out on, on our group me recently the uh, Dwell app. She is in love with it. You can pick the voice. You can pick the version. You can add music in the background. But you can pick a plan and you can listen to the Bible. If you don't have time to just sit and read and you're a, a good listener and can listen and understand things, you can listen to the Bible in a year. So this is a great time to start a reading plan. Pray. Have secret prayer time where it's your prayer time. Not saying the same time every day. Not saying build a closet with stuff in it. Not saying any of that. <laughs> I'm saying pray pray daily. And, hear me, especially dads, pray with your families. Pray with your families. Be a member of this church seeks to fellowship and to remain in communion with other saints. Be accountable to each other. Love each other. Reach out to one another. Wrestle against sin in your lives. Fight against those world systems that try and change your heart into something else that's not. Be repentant. Your life will not feel wasted if you live your life in the disciplines of God. Because the things that you thought you missed, you realize you don't miss them at all. And lastly, this may seem simple, but it is essential. Believe Christ. Who He is. The things that He has said what he has done. Believing Christ is the central foundation of true Christianity. When do you see people straying from Christianity? 
when they start to question the things that Christ said as to whether it's true or not. Or whether the, that really applies to me. How many of you heard that? I don't know if that really applies to me. Well, if it's written down in Scripture, it's what God has said, and it applies to you. The liberals started cutting out the the, 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 the Christian liberals started cutting things out of the Bible that were supernatural. They started cutting out the things. They, they, they didn't believe that Jesus fed 5,000. They had an excuse for it. They didn't believe Jesus walked on the water. They had an excuse for it. That it was a sandbar. Did y'all know that? That he walked across a sandbar in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Go to, go, go to Israel. Go to the Sea of Galilee. And find me a sandbar that goes all the way across that you can walk on in the middle of a nor'easter sea. So the theological liberals started cutting these things out. And now we in the modern church, we cut out the things that are hard. The things that are challenging. We must believe Christ. And Christ has said what he has said. And it applies to us all. There's nothing excluded. We must get back to historic Christianity when these things are important. What he has said is important. And it matters. That's what we can do. Those five things. Now, I actually want to do something that I have not done before that I ever remember. I want to give you a preview for next week. Because I am what you would call crunk about it. John 6.35. This is what we're going to start with. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is an I am statement. He says, I am who I am, the bread of life. I am Yahweh Elohim, the bread of life. So, that's your preview for next week, and I would leave you with these words. Buckle up. It's going to be fun. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can believe Christ and what he has said and what you have written in your word is what you have said. We can trust it. We don't have to question it. We don't have to cut out the parts we don't like because all of it is beneficial to us who are in you. God, help us to remain in you. Father, we ask that this would be a convicting message to all of our hearts, that it would change us into more of your disciple, to be more like you, to seek you more, to love you more. For that is what we desire. Father, I ask that this be a convicting message to those who are not in Christ. May it cut them to the heart. May it be the rock in the shoe that, that they must listen, they must know more, they must hear more of this Jesus. God, we thank you. Holy Spirit, do your work in our lives and in the lives of those who are not in Christ. Sinner, run to Christ. He is your only hope. Repent and trust in Him for the salvation of your soul. Father, we honor you and thank you. And we love you dearly. In Christ's name, amen.